0: Welcome to the Nonprofit Utopia Podcast, formerly known as Nonprofit You. Our podcast is an extension of our community, and we provide a forum where nonprofit stakeholders can share lessons learned and discuss the latest developments in the industry. My name is Valerie Leonard, your host. I'm the founder of Nonprofit Utopia, the ideal community for emerging nonprofit leaders. We provide a safe space for you to improve your leadership skills while building a high-impact organization through networking, professional development, and training. And you can find out more about us on nonprofitutopia.com, Facebook, and Twitter. I encourage you to follow us and to comment early and often. And just know that this is a social show, and we ask that yeah. you share the link to today's episode in your networks as we speak. Today's hashtags are Nonprofit Utopia, 100 and Change, and Lever for Change. You can also leave comments in the blogtalkradio.com or Nonprofit Utopia page. The chat room is open, and you can post comments and questions right now. And you can also email me questions at Valerie F. Leonard at NonprofitUtopia.com. We'll be taking questions by phone and from our chat room at about 260. The call-in number is 347-884-8121. We encourage you to sign up for our mailing list to keep abreast of the latest developments with the Nonprofit Utopia community, and we will have links to sign up for the mailing list as well as to um, various resources just as soon as this podcast is over. So having launched its first 100 and Change competition in 2016, the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation has announced the launch of a second round through which a grant of $100 million will be awarded to help address one of the world's critical social challenges. Building on the momentum from the inaugural 100 in Change competition, MacArthur launched Lever for Change, a new nonprofit committed to helping donors put their resources to work to accelerate social change. In so doing, they are partnering with the Pritzker clavert Foundation to launch the Chicago Prize to award $10 million to a single initiative on Chicago's South and or West Side that uses physical development, and revitalization to catalyze economic opportunities and improve the well-being of residents. We'll discuss lessons learned from the inaugural round of 100 and Change, upcoming Lever for Change competitions, the Chicago Prize, and how you can assess your organization's readiness to apply for either of these grant opportunities. We want to remind you that the deadline for uh, registering for both of those is next week, and you'll hear more more about that. So our first guest is Cecilia Conrad. She's the Managing Director of Awards and Fellows Program for MacArthur Foundation, and she's also the CEO for Lever for Change. We'll be joined later on by Cindy Mollis, President of the (laughs) Kipschitz Robert Foundation. Alrighty, So without further ado, Cecilia, can you hear me? And if so, let me know. And thank you so much for joining us. Yes, I can hear you. Uh, Thank you. It's an
1: honor to be on the show.
0: Thank you. We are definitely honored to have you as well as Cindy. And before we get into the meat of the show, can you tell us, what a hundred and change competition is and give us a little bit of background. Even before that, why don't you tell us about yourself? You have such an interesting background and then tell us about the the competition.
1: All right. Well, um, I came to the MacArthur foundation six years ago after a career in academia. I was an economics professor uh, for many years, although we are not all dismal scientists. Um, (laughs) We came to the foundation to run the MacArthur Fellows Program, which is a signature program at the foundation that recognizes exceptionally creative individuals. Not long after my arrival, I had the opportunity to help think about how the foundation could make a grant uh, to a project or a problem That wasn't something the foundation selected itself. It wanted a place where we could be open, put a significant amount of resources where we thought there was a possibility of really moving the needle towards solving a critical problem of our time. 100 and Change was what emerged from that um, initiative. It is a global competition for a single Mm -hmm. $100 million grant to go to a single project. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Okay, to go to a single project that promises to either solve a problem, uh, mm-hmm. take a significant slice of a problem and make progress, or either unlock the resources required to solve a problem. It is open to any problem anywhere, to organizations based anywhere in the world, and it is open to for-profit and non-profit entities. Governments are not permitted to apply, and individuals are not permitted to apply. But otherwise, it's a pretty wide open competition.
0: Okay, great. I am really curious, where are some of the awardees now, at least, you know, the folks who got awards from the first go-round? Yes.
1: So in the first go-round, in December of 2017, the foundation made its first $100 million grant to Sesame Workshop for its collaboration with the International Rescue Committee to do an early childhood intervention in the Syrian refugee region. And uh, this intervention has multiple components. A critical part of it is to use the network of home health visitors that International Rescue Committee has to deliver support to parents to help their children uh, deal with the toxic stress that has been caused by this experience of dislocation and, in some cases, exposure to VILA. And so this Sesame has worked with local child development experts, local cultural experts, to develop uh, content to deliver for parents, uh, to Mm -hmm. help engage with the children. It's also delivered content to child development centers. And it is developing a new television show, a new Sesame Street, that will target this region. And that Sesame Street development, they have a new Muppet that will be announced sometime before the end of the summer, (laughs) I believe. And uh, it will be a new show that will launch sometime in the next year. Oh,
0: that is Uh, awesome it back minutes now.
1: Yeah, I know. It's really exciting. And the other exciting thing about the Sesame Project, um, and this is generally excitement about 100 and Change, we had hoped to attract other funders to our top scoring projects. In December of 2018, uh, Sesame Workshop received a $100 million grant, a second one, uh, wow. from the Lego Foundation to take this work and deepen it in the Syrian refugee region and also to take the model to the Rohingya children. Awesome. And then and then we also worked with our other applicants who were either in our semi-finalists, finalists, or among our top 200. And so far we've leveraged an additional 150 million in addition to the 100 million. Wow. So our 100 million, then Lego 100 million, and then another 150 million for top uh, organizations.
0: Wow. That is amazing. And we can read these case studies or, the results of your evaluation on your website is that correct
1: that's right so on our website uh, there we've, we've been one of the things we've been committed to with hundred and change is being open and transparent uh, so in if you participate in the hundred and change competition you can see the criteria very carefully outlined on our website mm-hmm. You can see what our scoring rubric looks like. There's even a little tool, so you can move the tool and figure out what a 1 means versus what a 5 means versus a 2.5. We have the pictures of all our judges. We also Mm -hmm. have um, on our our foundation's website blog posts that reflect our thinking about things we've learned through both the first 100 and change and that we're learning as we do the second round. And you can link to the evaluation report from the first 100 and change.
0: Awesome. So that's a perfect segue into the next question. What are some of the lessons that you've learned from the first round after doing the evaluation? Uh,
1: so from the first round of 100 change, we learned a few things. Uh, first, we we learned that um, we had a, a much bigger response than we anticipated to the competition, um, mm-hmm. and we found that that we were probably less than As clear as we could have been on what we were looking for in terms of eligibility requirements, in terms of types of projects, um, because we had a a really much too high number that were invalidated through our administrative review process. So we created Mm -hmm. a tool, an assessment tool for organizations and projects to use whether they are really ready for this competition. And that's available online. I encourage anyone who is thinking about Uh, Applying, Uh, as you noted, the registration deadline is next week. For us, it's July 16th at 11 a.m. They should go online, try that organizational assessment tool. And if they're interested, go ahead and register. Applications are not due until August. Uh, The second thing that we uh, have learned from the competition is that the organizations tell us they really valued the feedback they got from our panel of reviewers. We had an external panel of over 400 reviewers who wrote comments on each one of the criteria. We have taken that to heart and tried to provide more opportunities for feedback. And we've done that by introducing a couple of more review stages. We will have a peer-to-peer review process where applicants will be reading each other's uh, applications and writing constructive feedback. We also will have, for the top scoring applicants, uh, the the top 120 that come out of our YSAD evaluation, will also go to a technical review panel and they'll receive feedback there. Uh, So we've tried to build more feedback in because applicants said that was very valuable. And Mm -hmm. probably the other thing that we learned that was a kind of surprise for us initially was how much interest there was uh, from other funders in what we were doing. This Mm -hmm. open call was a great landscape review of all the wonderful work that people are, are engaged in around the world to try and solve problems. And we had funders calling us saying, will you share some of this or some of these ideas? Will you let us get access to them? We created a solutions bank after the first round that includes everything we received, a bit a summary of each one of the projects, and have made that available to the general public. And for the second round of 100 and Change, we'll be doing that again. But it's partly that observation that led us to think about Lever for Change.
0: Okay. So that's great. So you've learned a lot clearly. So how are some of those lessons being incorporated into the current application process?
1: Well, as I mentioned, we have the organizational assessment tool now, Mm -hmm. uh, and we also have built in these extra stages of review. We've Mm -hmm. created an application itself. That has links to external resources so that even just completing the application, organizations can learn more about some of the jargon that tends to get oh, used in philanthropy, cool. like theory of change, and there's a bit of, of discussion about what a monitoring, evaluation, and learning proposal mm-hmm. might look like. Uh, so we've tried to build in resources to applicants so that even just completing the application can be of value and benefit.
0: Oh, and I love it. I love it. And what I love is, you know, once you do the application, you clearly have improved your, your capacity as an organization. And, and I know that this may be redundant, but can you walk us a little bit through the application yeah. and selection process?
1: So I'll do that step by step. And just to echo what you said, one of the things we heard from applicants in the first round was that they really also just appreciated the benefit to think big, to do it in a kind of in a free way. They described it as a liberating process. So, okay, so if you wanna participate, here's what you need to do. The first step is to go to the competition website, 100andchange.org, do the organizational assessment to kind of decide whether you're a good fit, register for the competition, it's a two-step process, and to just reiterate, the registration deadline is July 16th, 11 a.m. Central Time. So you want to get that done early. Uh, then, after you have done that, you will have till August 6th to submit your application online. That's a hard deadline, August 6th. After you've submitted your application, it will go through an administrative review to make sure you meet our basic eligibility requirements. Uh, mm-hmm. If you don't make it through that, you'll get a notice from us. If you do, then you will be asked to be part of the peer-to-peer review process, which means that your application will go to five other organizations for uh, commentary, and you will be asked to review applicants from five organizations. I love it. Yeah, and that is a good way to kind of learn more about the rubric and how it's applied, and you also learn some about who else is out there in the field. We've heard in the past when, when competitions have done this that organizations have found new partners through this process. The top 500 out of that peer-to-peer review process will then go to our WISEHEAD panel review uh, where judges will be randomly assigned. You will be read by at least five external reviewers. And again, you will get constructive feedback on each of the criteria from those five reviewers. Out of the heads panel, we will narrow it to the top up to 120 applicants, uh, what we call the top 100. And we will take those to a technical review panel. The technical review panel will be more of a specialist in your particular area of work and will give you, again, feedback. That will be more narrative uh, feedback about the project. All of that information will then go to the MacArthur Board, and the MacArthur Board will select up to 10 finalists. Should you be selected as a finalist, Uh, You will then go through about a five month process where we will provide technical support on your application, um, help you make it as strong as it can be, um, also do additional due diligence, and then finally, the board will select the 100 million grant recipient. That's the process in a nutshell.
0: (laughs) If you can get all that in a nutshell. That is awesome. The more I hear about this, the more excited I become because it sounds to me that you're not only um, handing out grant funds, you're not only building capacity, but you're building a, a global community in the process and people get to share lessons learned along the way.
1: That's the goal. The goal is to to really start to create a robust pipeline of projects um, that will be eligible uh, for larger and larger amounts of philanthropic capital so that we can really make headway towards the problems that our world confronts.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. This is great. So I want to hold it right here and remind our listening audience. That you're listening to the nonprofit Utopia podcast, and we're speaking with Cecilia Conrad. Cecilia is the managing director of the MacArthur Foundation's Awards and Fellows Program, and she's also the CEO of Lever for Change. We'll be taking questions from our listening audience and chat room at about 2:50, but you don't. And when I say 2:50, I'm talking about Central Standard Time, and if you're going to participate by chat, you don't need to wait until 2.50. You can go ahead and start typing your questions now, and um, then we can make sure that those questions come to the fore. And anything that we don't cover, we will make sure that we follow up by email to um, give you the response that you need. I want to remind you, too, I promised you links to resources that would be on the episode page. I was not able to upload those before the podcast, but immediately after the podcast, I will be including links to a number of resources, and in the meantime, I encourage you strongly to go to the 100 and Change website so that you can get, you know, copies of that evaluation that Cecilia is talking about, review the application and case studies and all that good stuff. I tell you, you can walk away from that that webinar, I'm sorry, website, and learn just as much as you could on any webinar. So, um, Cecilia, getting back to you, how did the success of the 100 and Change competition lead to the creation of Lever for Change? I know you started down that path, and uh, we just want to hear more details.
1: Yes. So as I mentioned, one of the things we learned from 100 and Change was that this was the process of this competition was a useful tool to uncover exciting ideas and opportunities for philanthropists who were really committed to making impact, to help them identify the projects where they might be able to do that. Around the same time, we also were aware of some research about the fact that there are uh, this philanthropic capital sitting on the sidelines. You look at the case of giving pledgers. Giving pledgers um, have, which is over 300, have signed the giving pledge. They're committed to giving away half of their wealth. Uh, Many of them want to do it before they they die. Uh, And yet they're having difficulty getting the capital out because they're busy people. They're still making their own money. They don't have the infrastructure that they need to source projects. So we saw this opportunity to take what we had developed with 100 and Change and share it with other donors in the hopes that we could create a more outflow of capital to social change. So we've created Lever for Change to do that. It really has three components. The first is that we will work with small family foundations and individual philanthropists to design a customized competition for them uh, as long mm-hmm. as they commit to an award of at least 10 million um and they can be they can be thematic competitions they don't have mm-hmm. to be as open ended as what a uh, hundred and change might be and we will help them develop, design, and run the competition through to presenting them with a slate of finalists for them to make a decision about their awardee. Uh, we have six competitions uh, in the works for the next 12 months, um, in addition to MacArthur's 100 and Change, uh, Level oh for Change is running 100 and change. Uh, Those competitions, there will be uh, one that we're gonna talk about in a moment, so I'll let them do that one. Uh, There's Mm -hmm. also gonna be one on economic opportunity in the US, which will uh, launch in October. There are gonna be two that are related to climate issues that will launch in early 2020. Uh, Mm -hmm. There is one also on refugees that will be sometime in 2020. Um, There's one focused on the state of Texas that's actually going to be pretty open-ended that will also launch in 2020. So we're excited that we have donors who are interested in making this kind of significant commitment to making making real change happen. The next two components of the project is every one of those competitions that's going to generate more ideas – then the donor will fund. The donor will have one grant. We learned this from 100 and change. There were many more great ideas than what the foundation could fund. So we are could mm-hmm. committed to collecting those into a lever for change solutions bank that we will then be used to curate for other donors who don't necessarily want to run a competition or who maybe are interested in a topic that we've already done a competition about. So if another donor shows up and says, I am really interested uh, in economic opportunity in the U.S., we can say, here's what we found as the top projects there and help that donor identify something they may want to fund from that solutions bank. The third component is that we will also be working with all of those organizations to help strengthen the organizational capacity to absorb a large grant, to help make the project plan as robust as it might be, um, and mm-hmm. to help them learn how to pitch, how to tell their story so that they might be able to attract the big donors.
0: You know what? And before we transition over into the second segment, as you were speaking, I was wondering to myself, do you ever um, speak with, I guess, individual organizations do a scan of, you know, the, the lay of the land and get a sense for what the uh, nonprofits are looking for and then try to marry them with the donor ideas? It, you know, is that a part of what the yes, development of the concepts
1: Right, so you know, with with all of our competitions, they all allow the organizations to really have the ability to define the work that they want to do and to oh, to put nice. that forward as their project. So it's the organizations that are really telling us, "This is my project. This is how I think it can really help and make and address a problem," and it's that information that we are then trying to align with other donors. So we are in communications with the organizations. We just did a little roundup with our first 100 and Change semifinalist asked, where are they now? What do you need next? Um, We sometimes have Mm -hmm. to ask organizations, what would you do with smaller slivers of money to make make change happen? Because some donors, of course, are are not prepared to do $100 million. (laughs) Um, And so we, we try to be a conduit between organizations and donors to do that. Um, we also stay out on the road talking to organizations a bit just to find out what they think the, the gaps are in terms of the kind of funding that they receive and try to keep our ears to the ground on that.
0: Okay, awesome. And we are going to open it up now to our second segment. We're being joined by Cindy Mollis. Cindy is the president of the pritzker Talbert Foundation, and she will tell us more about their partnership and um, the Chicago Prize. But before Cindy does that, um, I want to say welcome, Cindy. And um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Hi Valerie. I'm
2: Just to making sure, sure
0: you can hear me. hear me. I can. I can.
2: Okay, great. Well, first, first of all, thank you for welcoming me. And thank you to all the listeners for the work that they do across Chicago. Uh, we really appreciate that. Um, let me tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I am a lawyer by training, but for the last 30 years, um, I've worked in government, non-for-profit, as well as philanthropy. I've only mm-hmm. left Chicago for seven years to work for the Obama administration, so we, we, me and my family moved to Washington, D.C., and we were wonderfully pleased to be part of that effort, but we're really happy to be back in Chicago. So that's a little bit about myself. I have three kids that I primarily raised in Chicago and hope they're all coming back here to live.
0: Okay, awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So how did you join the Pritzker Traubert Foundation?
2: Well, so as I mentioned, I've been lucky enough to work in social mission and impact work for a long time. And before I went to Washington, D.C., I was one of the first executive directors that Pritzker Traubert Foundation hired. At that time, they were first really sort of staffing up. They had, mm-hmm. The foundation had been in existence for five or six years, and they really wanted to take it to the next level. After I left for D.C. and came back, their giving had gone from $2 million a year to $20 million a year, and they really revisited oh, wow. some of their strategies. So it's been really a privilege to work for um, Penny and Brian, Penny Pritzker and Brian Tralbert. They're incredible civic leaders, and I can talk a little bit about uh, the foundation if you'd like me to and tell you a little oh, yeah. bit about their history.
0: Yeah, we'd love to so hear not- thanks.
2: Okay. Thank you. Um, First of all, they um, are civic leaders and they devote both their passion time and resources into what they do. And when they first started, when I first started with them, they were really focused on providing more opportunity for young people throughout Chicago. And I would highlight a couple of the things that happened during those early years. One is that they provided full scholarships to to over 200 dreamers. They also Mm -hmm. went out and they um, funded uh, almost 13 artificial soccer fields, because they really felt like neighborhoods that were being underserved needed places for young people and families to gather and go. So this has always been sort of a consistent piece of their work. Um, Coming back after being away seven years, we really started focusing on economic opportunity. And the two areas that they're most interested in investing in is community investment, which we'll talk about the Chicago Mm -hmm. Prize in a little bit, as well as making sure that the changing nature of work, we're trying to address Um, workers' needs and making sure people aren't displaced as things change in the workplace. And that's a, a very interesting but tough challenge.
0: Indeed, indeed. So, Cecilia, in addition to being the Managing Director of the MacArthur Foundation's Awards and Fellows Program, you're the CEO of Lever for Change. Can you tell us about this new organization and how it works? And I realize that you already touched on it a little bit, but if you can Drill down a little bit more. That would be great.
1: Uh, I did uh, talk about it a bit about its three goals. And what we do uh, is we are reaching out to other philanthropists and offering our services. And I'm happy to say that Cindy and the Chicago Prize—well, we hadn't even called it the Chicago Prize at that point—were were were brave enough to be our first clients and to try to figure out how could we help support
2: the design of competitions like the Chicago Prize. Valerie, this is uh-huh. if I, I might add. You know, um, I actually worked at the MacArthur Foundation in the 90s. That was one of the places that I was able to contribute and be part of. So the okay. relationship between the Prince for Foundation, and the MacArthur Foundation, go way back. We've done work together. We've co-funded things. But when Cecilia and her group um offered us this opportunity they really asked only two things from us and this is going to echo some of the things that Cecilia has said about the goals of lever for change. One thing they said was would we be willing to put um, you know 10 million dollars of resources into this um, competition And that was a big decision for a smaller foundation. but the trustees were willing to be ready to do that they just had to understand what else mm-hmm. was required of them. And when we asked Cecilia that question she said, really it's to be open. It's to be transparent, and it's to be democratic about the process. Are you willing to put out there some idea and allow people to come in with innovative solutions? They were not dictating how we did it, what our focus was, as she mentioned. And our focus, as I mentioned before, is community investment. We want to make sure that under-resourced areas on the west and south side are being provided with additional resources. So it was a very exciting opportunity for us. And I have to say that we would not probably have put this kind of capital... Investment in in this way, if Lever for Change um, hadn't come to us and offered us some support and advice and the ability to work together.
1: Okay, and great. To, and to,
2: to echo on that, I think they, to to just
1: really put a put a period behind what Cindy just said. It's it, a critical part of doing really Lever for Change competition is the willingness to be open to the ideas that emerge from the organization that aren't Mm -hmm. necessarily coming from the foundation in a top-down way or from the donor in a top-down way.
2: Also, the... One of the appeals, Valerie, is that we, we know we do not have all the answers, especially when it comes to community investment and revitalization. And this mm-hmm. opportunity gave us a process to ask a big question of people who really are working on this every day and, and have more of the answers that anybody sitting downtown may have. So it really was this wonderful opportunity that as a small foundation, we could have not uh, opened the doors to as many ideas just from a capacity standpoint than we, that we will be able to do now through
0: this process. Okay, awesome. And I really appreciate you guys giving us all of this rich background. And my question to Cecilia and, you know, and I guess to you as well, Cindy, can you tell us what makes Lever for Change stand out in this emerging field of collaborative philanthropy?
1: Well, I will say a couple things. Uh, one is that there are some collaborations out there. Um, some of them are donors who come together that are interested in a particular area. So I'll think of the example of blue Um mm-hmm. And I don't know if blue Meridian is something that Central has looked at at all. It would be interesting to hear that. Um, there's a group of funders. They are, uh, go out to source projects that have a high level of rigorous evidence beyond, behind them, uh, mostly related to disadvantaged use. Uh, there's a collaborative commercial in international sphere called Co-Impact. Again, a group of funders who have come together, who are who defined a set of issues they're interested in. In the upcoming year, I understand it's really childless. And then they have um, the staff that go out to try and identify projects. We're different in the sense that our competitions sort of are open calls. They're not heavily curated. It's not based on our networks. Uh, As Cindy mentioned, what we're acknowledging is that we don't know everything. We want to find out about those ideas that we may not have already seen and may not be people we've met. So it's this open call, and it really allows the applicant to define what the strategy will be, how the problem will be approached, and then present that to us. Um, The other aspect of it is our heavy reliance on external evaluators. Um, I've mentioned what we've done for 110 and Cindy may want to add to what the external evaluation looks like for a Chicago
2: Pride.
0: Okay, uh, yes. Yes.
2: Um, okay, I would echo a lot of what Cecilia said, and we are familiar with those co- other collaborators. There's many differences, and one of the big differences is, is that uh, leverage for change is meeting the funders where they are. A lot of these collaboratives Set their goals, and you meet them where they are. So, lever for mm-hmm. change is coming in, and saying, "We want, we want to empower you to be bigger and bolder about how you ask for, how you ask for solutions." And so, they have allowed us once again. Her, her target audience um, are small staffed or no staffed philanthropy, in which it's really difficult to get to allow so many um, great ideas to come in because sometimes you just don't have the ability to process it. Cecilia mentions the expert review panel. We currently have about 25 people. If you go to our website, chicagoprize.org, you'll see some of the local leaders and national leaders who have agreed to be part of our review process. This is a gift to small philanthropists because here we are, we have multiplied our talent and our expertise by bringing in other people. But once again, Mm -hmm. to do this, you have to be open to other people's opinions. It can't just be a closed environment. You need to allow other people to provide that expertise and help you understand what are strong applicants and what are applicants that might need more work.
0: Mm -hmm. That's great. And, and I'm just wondering too, I mean, you are both grant makers. Is it difficult sometimes to let other people come in and, and, and do what they do? You know, I'm sure they're not going about, you know, doing this without direction, but I can imagine it's somewhat challenging in some ways to bring in outsiders to, to help you manage this process?
2: So I think one of the things we've learned from Glover for Change and from 100 and Change is that they have created a process by which there is a certain score and rubric. And they really they really push us at the beginning to be very clear on our goals. Our rubric is different from 100 and Change. Our rubric has to do with Uh, A community-led team, which I just want to emphasize these four things. I know we haven't really gone over the Chicago Prize in detail, but our our goal is to make sure that this is coming out of a community vision. So one of our criteria is that it has to be community-led. Now, it's not just community-led. It's got to have team members who have expertise in development and finance and all the things that make a $10 million-plus project successful. Our second criteria is uh, impact. What's going to happen if your initiative is funded and you actually execute well on it? What is the impact to the people living there? What is the impact to the surrounding area? Do so you have to tell us what that impact is? Our third is feasibility. Given your team and given your vision, how likely is it that give it, if we give you the capital you need that you could make it a reality? Um, and the last one is leverage. So we know $10 million in capital is a lot of money, but we want you to think big. And we want these efforts to be even bigger that than that 10 million. So those are our four criteria. hundred and change is a different four criteria. But by doing it this way, we're very clear to people when they apply what it is they're going to be graded on. We also give the reviewers through this process training in which they understand how to review these four things. So we are trying to make this as consistent as possible and take some of the subjectivity out of it.
0: Okay, great. And, Cecilia, we have covered a number of things already, and at the expense of being redundant, I'm going to ask you first, forgive me, um, you touched upon some of the other competitions that you have in the works. And I'm wondering, are you going to go through the same rigor, the same evaluation process, and then you're going to also share those lessons learned with others or are there certain nuances that are, you know, particular to to each competition?
1: Well, I, I like, like the way, the way that Cindy put it, it's kind of many donors where they are. So each, each donor uh, gets to define the theme of the competition. competition, but, but each donor, donor also has to agree to our principles of openness and transparency. transparency. They need mm-hmm well-defined set of four criteria that they will use to evaluate the project. They don't have to be the same across competitions. Um, as Cindy noted, under criteria. not sure if I said them before. They are impactful, uh, evidence-based, feasible, and durable. And by durable, we mean that there has to be support uh, for the project or a way to sustain the impact of the project beyond the life of the grant. Other competitions will have different criteria, but each one of them has to be very clear about what those are and on what basis projects will be evaluated. And every competition will have to have a panel of external evaluators who score the proposal and provide that information and, and to the uh, ultimate selection committee, usually a board of trustees or perhaps the individual governor, and then also provide constructive feedback to the participants.
2: So that will be
1: Part of the character of every for change competition, and our third value, in addition to openness and transparency, is that we want to provide value add to participants. We know that competitions are work for organizations. That doing these applications takes time away from other activities. As the further along we progress, the more we kind of demand of the organization that's participating. And so we want to make sure that there's value for the organizations that they get, even if they don't receive the ultimate grant, either the 100 million from 100 and Change, or the 10 million from the Chicago Prize, or whatever the grants are at some of these other competitions.
0: Okay, great. So, will there be opportunities for those people who don't necessarily win the grand prize? to share feedback with you on some of the lessons they've learned as a result of going through this process.
1: Um, yes, and, and I know that we have done a rigorous evaluation using a third-party evaluator where we've asked applicants to tell us, and they can tell us through the third party, so we don't know who they are, what that experience has been, been like, and I believe that Dr. Robert has the same plan. Cindy? Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, I, I just I want to emphasize also um, that Cecilia mentioned that we try to go beyond just the $10 million one grantee. And one thing is, is that we do have internal uh, documentation and we are going to get back to people who, one, may not have completed the application, two, completed it, but didn't feel they got additional you know, resources out of it. Um, besides that one grant, We're also, obviously, lever for change has offered to do this database, which is wonderful, which means there's exposure for every idea that comes through. We also have four finalists that we're going to choose that are going to get $100,000 and some technical support to build out their ideas. And in addition, we want to elevate even more ideas than just those four ideas. So we're waiting to see what comes in and how how many strong applicants there are. But our goal is to go way beyond just this grantee. It's to expose them to other funders to bring in state and, and uh, city folks to help talk them through how to get their, oppor- their uh, initiatives done. So our goal in this is to idea source and elevate a lot of strong ideas. It's not just to give away one grant. And we hope with Lever for Change this help and with this goal obviously stated that we're able to do that. Uh, we really think that there's a lot to achieve in this open competition call, and we're excited about building on it. We believe that if this is successful, that we will have other opportunities along with this grant.
1: And I you add that in our conversations with other donors, you've heard the very same kind of intent and purpose that you just heard from Cindy. Uh, in some cases, particularly with some of the newer donors who are planning competition they see this as an opportunity for them to do a landscape that will help inform their future grant funding. So they see this as as a way to really start to build their relationship with the field of work.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Okay. And Cecilia, before we segue into the next segment, are there any closing thoughts you have for this particular segment?
1: Well, I think what I want to do is to just um, reiterate some of the deadlines that are coming up for both of these competitions. A um, hundred and change, the registration deadline is July fifteenth at 11 a.m. Central Time. The application deadline is August 6th. So if you are interested, you should go to the site as soon as you sign off. That's 100andchange.org. And Sydney, you want
2: to give yours? Where well, we have very similar deadlines, which makes it easier for people to remember. But as uh, Cecilia said, you have to register to even be able to apply. So I really encourage everyone out there who's even thinking that they might have a, uh, an initiative that's appropriate and qualified. They should be registered by July 16th on chicagoprize.org. And then our full proposals are due on August 13th. And, and we really encourage people to take the self-assessment tool, just like uh, 100 and Change. We put a self-assessment tool up there so people do not waste their time doing a, an application that could be somewhat burdensome. We tried mm-hmm. to make the phase one application not too burdensome because we really did want to encourage new ideas and strong ideas. So, again, please go register if you think you might want to have the opportunity to apply.
1: Okay, great. And then, and then I'll just mm-hmm
2: saying that uh, for those
1: who who may not think, who think that either the Chicago Prize or 100 Change may not be right for them, if they go to the Lever for Change website, which is leverforchange.org, you can sign up to be on our list to learn about future competitions that will be rolling out not only over the next year, but this will be something that is an ongoing process.
2: And, and some of them
1: will be for, for $10 million, some will be 20. million, uh, so, so far no one's for 50, but we're hoping. And that's an opportunity. Uh, let me just add, some of them will be more local, focused on different geographies. So there are opportunities there for organizations to really be part of this process.
0: Okay, great, great
2: so this Valerie, this is Cindy. I just wanted to uh, to reemphasize something Cecilia said, and she had mentioned that these open calls allow funders to learn more and more about things we're also hearing from other funders that this idea of sourcing this idea of getting um, a pool of ideas together is exciting to them as well. And we're also hearing from the city and the state who are thinking about investing on the west and south side that they're interested in learning more. So it's just, it opens up a lot of possibilities by sharing ideas and, and building stronger collaborations. And one of the links that we could
1: give you is the link to the Solutions Bank from the first 100 and change. So So the the organization, it's actually a good resource for organizations to find out who else is working in their space. You can search it by sustainable development goals, by geography, uh, by population search. So it's a great resource for organizations
2: as well as other donors.
0: Okay, great, great. Thank you so much. And at this point, we're going to focus on the Chicago Prize, and we're going to continue our conversation with Cindy Mollis. Okay, um, Cindy, I guess I had a question about the fact that the Chicago Prize is going to be awarded to an organization that uses physical development and revitalization to create and strengthen what you call civic infrastructure that in turn catalyzes economic opportunities and improves the well-being of residents. So can you expound a little bit on what the foundation means
2: by civic
0: infrastructure?
2: Well, I'm sorry that's such a mouthful, but I appreciate your going through it and uh, reading through it. Um, You know, I I think every community um, is enhanced by additional um, community assets being improved or built or community spaces. So our goal was to allow communities that have thought about this um, to think about what it is they want to see in their community and how can they come together around that idea. We also are providing capital, ten millions of capital, because we have read research and we understand from individuals that there is less capital being spent on the south and west sides. So we really wanted to make sure to provide that kind of capital for a big idea. In terms mm-hmm. of the civic infrastructure, we also understand that buildings themselves or the reuse use of buildings or open space itself is not what it, what enhances social interaction and improves community. It's what happens in those spaces. So civic Mm -hmm. infrastructure really is about those programs and and policies that help bring people together and make community what you want it to be. Um, So our goal with civic infrastructure is really to say, um, activate the space. How are you going to use the space? And people are allowed to use some of the money towards that activation.
0: Okay, great,
2: great. So similarly to
0: 100 and Change, you are going to increase capacity of the applicants, or the applicants are going to increase capacity regardless of whether they get the prize. And can you tell us a little bit about the process? I think you touched on it before, but for those of us who are just joining, it would be helpful to hear about the application process for the Chicago Prize once more.
2: So first of all, we, we launched the prize on April 16th with Lever for Change's help. And really, we're encouraging people to be collaborative. And I know that's a that's really more difficult than the word sounds. Um, <laughs> we're also really encouraging people to not start from scratch. This isn't about a community planning process. This is about taking your community's conversations, plans, visions that already are under conversation and really building them out. And some of these plans are already in process. We may be meeting people at the end of their process or meeting people somewhere in the middle. But really what we're hoping is, is that communities and relationships have already been formed and they might strengthen, this might be an incentive to strengthen those relationships or find unusual partners and make sure that the team or the collaborative team behind this execution is strong. So during mm-hmm. April to July, we're hoping that there are conversations, and we've been hearing that there are conversations going on. One of the reasons we decided to do this is that we heard about so many wonderful things happening on the South West side that needed, that needed a capital infusion, and we really wanted these organizations to have an opportunity to get a decent capital infusion. So we know there's great things happening out there. We also know that communities know what they need more than we know what they need, and different communities mm-hmm. have different needs. So some communities may need a commercial corridor refresh. Other communities may need more affordable housing. Some communities may just need a new park or or new trails or open green space. We really believe that communities talking together and understanding their needs and working together are the most effective way to actually enhance and improve people's lives in those communities. So, So from April to July, we're asking people to register Again, I mentioned July 16th is our registered deadline. And if you don't register by that deadline, then you can't apply. We give people another month to finish their proposals. The proposals are due on August 13th. After that, we're going through a very similar process of 100 and change, and and, uh, Lever for Change has been an important advisor on this. We have an administrative review process Hopefully not many applications will not make it through the administrative review process, but if everybody has taken the self-assessment tool, then they know what we're looking for. We're always going to have our review team, our review panel of judges, go through the, the, the grading process, scoring process, using our rubric, which I mentioned is impact, feasibility, leverage, and community-led collaboration. Also, if you can go to the ChicagoPrize.org website, you can see how those actually work. And by November, by mid-November, we will have finalists selected. Um, We then are going to work with a couple of partners on a planning phase, which we're asking the finalists to really build out their ideas. We're going to give them supports like BCG is going to provide them with business support, and we're going to have an evaluator through Lever for Change. Uh, We're Mm -hmm. also going to work with with all sorts of different really incredible and and, and impressive people. And, And some... Some finalists are already going to be very sophisticated, but we want to make sure everybody has the same tools. And mm-hmm. by the spring, um, after uh, some workshops and working with the community and working with the community groups, we will announce the, the um, grant winner. In the meantime, I forgot to mention that the four finalists will each get $100,000 of general op. So when they're putting the kind of work in that we're asking them to, to get to the next phase, mm-hmm. that they're going to be compensated for that work.
0: Okay. Oh, this is really, really great. And I know we're running out of time. We have it looks like three callers on the line who may or may not have questions, but I'm wondering if if you guys have what maybe five minutes beyond our our cutoff time at three o'clock. Is is that possible?
2: Um, I, I'd be fine with spending five more minutes. Uh, Cecilia may have a hard stop. I don't know.
1: I have a meeting at three. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I have to go. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Okay. Yeah,
0: I, I just see that we have three callers, and you know, I don't want to just so
1: cut off. So if you have a for 100 and change, act now. <laughs>
0: okay. All right. Well, I will. Okay, Cindy, if you can bear with me, we'll come back to you, but let me. Let me poll the audience and see if they have questions or if they're just listening, okay? Sure. Sure. Okay, we have a caller. Your phone number is 708-439-0326. Do you have a question for, for either panelist? Okay, I take it by your silence, you're just listening. Okay, I will go to, to the next caller. Okay, caller, your phone number is 773-668-8696. Did you have a question for either of our guests? No questions. no questions for me, just listening to the interesting conversation. So thank you for the opportunity. Well, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Okay, our third caller, your phone number is 312-659-4151. Did you have a question or comment?
1: Yes, I had a question for Cindy. She mentioned that um, she had heard about some great projects and collaborations going on on the south side and west side, and I was just wondering why they chose to
0: do the open grant or did they reach out directly to those great projects to encourage them to apply?
2: Well, we have been uh, really, um, first of all, let me mention that people who were able to find the Pritzker Traveler Foundation brought us great ideas, but I think that limits us in who we end up talking to because it's people who might know somebody who knows somebody who gets them in the door. The Mm -hmm. open call was really so we could learn about things that we may not be able to learn about. And we're really open to those ideas. Um, Anyone who has asked us, we tell them just what I said on the call, which is take the self-assessment tool, make sure you're in line with some of the criteria. And if most of the answers to those questions are yes, please apply. So we have encouraged everyone we know to apply. We have asked our friends to encourage everybody we know to apply, but we're trying not to be too assertive because we know that it actually takes time to apply. So people in every neighborhood have to decide where they are in their process and decide if this is something that is worth the time and energy. Uh, We believe it is, and we believe it's gonna be wonderful for many applicants, not just for the one uh, uh, person who wins the final grant, but to answer your question, We have been encouraging people to go online, make sure it's appropriate and they're at an appropriate place, and this would be helpful to them. And then we would really appreciate um, people to apply if they think that that they can answer those questions. Yes. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for calling in. Okay, Cindy. Okay. Cindy, um, can you talk to us a little bit about Partnership and collaboration, as you said, it's very, very hard, and there's hopefully no two collaborations or partnerships that are the same. But can you give us an example, a hypothetical, of what a team could look like? Knowing well, that this,
2: say, yeah, uh, I would say first of all that um, there are some great collaborations already happening, but I mm-hmm. would look at the team that people are putting together and make sure. This, this goes to our criteria of feasibility. Make sure your team, first of all, has a very strong community voice and a base in the community of why you're doing what you're doing. But the second thing is is look at the team and make sure that they have the expertise to execute on that. So if you're going to build affordable housing, make sure there's somebody who has some experience building that housing in a way that is to the scale that you're, you're requesting. If, if – um, if you're a small organization and have never taken in $10 million, make sure there's somebody who has the financial experience and expertise to take in $10 million and be able to execute what your plan is. So I would say look at your team as a whole team and make sure you have those important components because that's who the strongest applicant is going to be from. So that's, that's one thing. When I say collaboration, I don't always mean you have to have every organization within a community agreeing on one idea. The other thing I should mention is that we've allowed people to define their own geographic footprint. And that's very important to understand that this initiative could be a four by four block initiative, as long as it has significant impact, or it could be a 40 by 40 block. It could cross over three wards or three community groups. We are not defining this in a way that uh, the city has defined what a community is. We're asking people from the neighborhood to say what their community looks like. So given that, and given the vision of what you want to happen in community, make sure you have people who have really have some expertise in executing. Because, you know, $10 million hopefully is an infusion that is, is well-placed, but it's, it's a lot of money for, for um, a community initiative. So we want to make sure people have the people in their group that, that they feel confident can help them be successful.
0: Okay, and one final question. I realize you can't give a Chicago example, but if there are any examples that come to your mind, Cindy, of a place-based initiative that aligned with the intention of the Chicago Prize.
2: So we've been very careful not to define one specific thing because we want, people may come to us with things we haven't even thought about, but I would say that the Urban Institute, which is a Washington, D.C., Uh, organization that does a lot of work around the country did do a paper on place-based initiatives that do do incorporate civic infrastructure. So if you want to learn more about examples around the country, I would say go to the website. There's a link on the website in the About section to the Urban (laughs) Institute's paper. They give about four or five strong examples, but again, I don't want anybody to get caught into the specifics, just the, the sense of what could be accomplished. They also talk about civic infrastructure a little bit more in um, an academic way. But I would say that it it gives you some insight into what civic infrastructure could be as well as what collaboration could look like.
0: Okay, great. That is a perfect way to end our show. And I I thank you ladies so much. And before we go, I I just want to remind our listening audience that you have just heard from – Cecilia Conrad, she's the CEO of Lever for Change, and Cindy Mollis, president of the Pritzker Traubert Foundation, and we've just had a, a, a wonderful brain dump. So I, I, I just thank you, thank you so much. And before we go, um, would you ladies care to share any closing thoughts? And we'll we'll start with Cecilia. I think the
1: value that's expressed in the competitions you've heard about here and in future competitions for Lever for Change is an important one in the philanthropic community. It partly responds to some of the criticism that it is uh, not at all democratic, that it's insular, um, and what I think you see represented here, and what we're hearing from talking with, with donors, uh, not only other ones in the U.S., but I just came back from. Uh, a visit to Asia where I talk to donors, is a real openness, a real recognition that the knowledge about how to, to make the world better, how to change things, is really uh, ingrained in the organizations who are there doing the work, that who are there in the field, and that we need to
0: be open
1: to understanding that knowledge, to cultivating that knowledge, and to
0: making
2: it more visible.
0: Okay, great. Thank you so much. And you, Cindy.
2: Um, I just want to say this is the first time the Pritzker Traubert Foundation has launched this type of challenge. But if successful, we'll continue to build on the momentum that the prize might offer because we really, we really admire the the goals and the intent behind it. And we're hoping that um, folks in Chicago are ex- as excited as we are about this opportunity. And again, I wanna thank Cecilia for all of her guidance and Lever for Change for pulling us in in this really interesting and exciting way.
0: And I wanna thank you ladies again for coming onto the show. Um, this has been a real eye-opener. I think it's been very, very useful in terms of information and very, very practical. So thank you again. Well, thank you, Valerie. Thank you for having us. Okay, great. So to our listening audience, I want to thank you once more for listening to today's episode of Nonprofit Utopia. We will be including links to resources in the comments section just as soon as, um, as, soon as we close. And I want to encourage you to go to iTunes and leave a review. And we've included instructions or will include instructions in the comments section to guide you through the process. We won't be on air next week. Um, We will return in two weeks where we'll be talking about safe spaces in the workplace, creating safe spaces. Okay, so without further ado, we're going to let go, and I wish you all the best of luck as you go and apply for these wonderful contests. Looking forward to hearing the outcome. All right, take care. Bye-bye.